Welcome back from the Backseat Football Podcast. We are back with another round of thrilling Premier League fixtures to run through. Arsenal try and exact revenge against Manchester United as they take them on at the Emirates. Manchester City and Haaland return to form at the Etihad against Wolverhampton Wanderers. Liverpool and Chelsea fight out on a mid-table bonanza. And all the rest of the fixtures from this weekend to run through. As always, I am joined by my co-host today. Jack, how are you doing? I'm good, mate. I'm good, mate. I feel like today's episode is more like from the bar seat than from the back seat. It There's is. been a few beers. There's been But many. you know what? That's what happens when you do Super Sunday. When you put fixtures out like Arsenal Man United and it's like a throwback to 2005. We are enjoy it. There's going to be Gary Neville tears. There's going to be high drama. <laughs> there are going to be last minute winners. And we are so ready to go through it. Obviously, you know my... My allegiance when it comes to uh, to uh, to Premier League football, um, and yeah, mate, I'm absolutely buzzing. I'm absolutely elated. I feel like I haven't taken in the result right now. That's how I'm feeling mm. right now. I feel like I'm almost a bit numb to it. People are telling me to believe. I just can't quite do it. It's only 19 games in. But Jack, you were there. You witnessed the scenes. Tell me your thoughts on it. We are halfway through the season now. 19 games for Arsenal. 20 for most everyone else in the top four. And Arsenal five points ahead. It's not as much as I thought, if I'm honest. But every time there is a hurdle for Arsenal, they overcome it. And that is a key difference, I think, with this Arsenal team and other Arsenal teams. Last week, we were like Spurs away. Never win that game. That's a hard game. Mm-hmm. 2-0, comfy. Could have been 3-0, 4-0. This game, mm-hmm. score the first goal, get pegged back. Go ahead, get pegged back. And then you're like, boom, 89th minute, the winner. And I just think, look, there is something going on at Arsenal right now. There's a, there's a feeling of destiny, I think, oh. is the reality of it. There is a feeling oh. of destiny with this team. There's momentum. Casemiro was out. Silly, silly Casemiro. And you just think, like, Inketia is not supposed to be this good. And yet here he is with four goals in his last five. And I just feel like everything's working right now for Arsenal. There's no injuries. Mm-hmm. Maybe missing out on Mudrick wasn't that big a deal. Trossard looked okay when he came on. I thought he looked quite good. Mm-hmm. There's just, there's a togetherness, there's a focus, and I, I actually think they're going to do it. I actually believe they're going to do it, and that's how I feel. It's an interesting perspective to have from you, because as an Arsenal fan, and I was I was probably too young to really understand the enormity of the um, the invincible season in 0304 for Arsenal, but we've never been in this situation where we've been seriously a title challenger. People can look at that Leicester season and say maybe we could have challenged, but we never looked like a team that was going to challenge consistently. We certainly have never mm-hmm. played like we played well this season um, this is the best start or the, in terms of the first 19 games that we played the best start that an Arsenal team has ever had and that's massive you know you think of the teams that we've had in the past but obviously from a Liverpool perspective you have experienced success recently and like you had those seasons where you did win are you having like a similar feeling about this Arsenal team as you were when you were in that title winning season 100% bro there's just a focus to it there's like you can see that it means a lot to every player they're all united. They're all going to do it. There's not going to be any like contract issues. Some of the players need to sign the thing, but do you know what I mean? It's like everyone's fully focused on delivering yeah. the title. This is the most points an Arsenal team's ever got. City are always there. City are going to be breathing down your neck, and it's how you cope with the it's pressure. Gonna be tight, man. It's going to be. It's tight. tough at the top, baby. It's, it's tough at the top, and you've just got to keep. True. You've just got to stay six points ahead of City at all times because they are going to win 13 games in a row at some point. And it's going to happen very oh, soon. I think it started. It might have already started. It might have started already. But you, basically, I think if Arsenal don't lose to City in two weeks' time in the Premier League, 
then I think you can start believing. If you lose, City will probably win the league. It all comes down to one game, I think. Or two games, because you have to play them twice, right? Correct. So it all comes down to that. That's it. Completely agree. Don't look at us for favours. Don't look at anyone else for favours. City's going to steamroll everyone now. They're pissed off. Completely agree. I think with, 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 with City, in regards to having respect for City and what they've done in the Premier League for the last five years, if you come for the King, you better make sure he's dead. Do you know what I mean? Because mm-hmm. they are... They're looking right for it, but we're going to come on to that for the double city overview because they've had a what a hell of a week over there at the Etihad, you know. But um, we actually had some praise for Eddie and Ketia, didn't we, at the pub? There have been doubts about Eddie and Ketia coming in, replacing Gabriel Jesus. Um, but we were very impressed by him today. He really had a, a real number nine performance, not to be cliche. Um, and we were all very impressed with the two goals. He stepped in more than just Gabriel Jesus' boots you know he's, he's actually forging his own place in his Arsenal team and you, you said it earlier you think it's going to be hard for Jesus to come back and get his place in the team it's not a guarantee anymore bro it's not a guarantee not. anymore like Eddie Nketiah looks really 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 good he he actually seems to have all the attributes that you'd want of like a modern a modern striker basically like he works really hard he's clinical when he gets his chances and like he's a team player he's got it all and like to get the winner today just solidifies that he's not just like a, a stopgap. He's actually the real deal. And so. yeah, Jesus is going to have a hard time, man. <laughs> Jesus is going to have a real hard time getting that spot back. But that's what you want. You want competition for places. It's not like you're just waiting for someone to come back because the quality has dropped a lot. You're now like, oh, it'd be nice when he comes back, but it's not essential. It's not that big of a deal. We are still... We are still beating the best teams around us. I mean, you played Newcastle, Spurs and United in a row, undefeated. Two wins and a draw. That's really good. That's really damn good. It's a good record. It's a good record, isn't it? Yeah. You played third, fourth and fifth in a row and you're unbeaten. You got two wins and a draw. It's what titles are made of. It's what titles are made of. You've got one left now. You've got the final boss left in two weeks. The double header in the FA Cup (laughs) next week. You've got the final boss now. If you beat the final (laughs) boss, then the student has become the master and Arteta is the new Don. Actually, let's, while we're on on that whole kind of talk about um, pupil and tutor, we were talking about this. The dynamics and the narratives of this game were really interesting, right? Ten Hag was obviously not a disciple of Pep, but had worked under Pep and Worked alongside mm-hmm. Pep, and we know it's well documented. Mikel obviously worked as an assistant to Pep at City in more recent times. So, two pupils fighting are off to potentially challenge the, as you say, the final boss, the boss of the Premier League, the King, the Dungeon Master. Um, yeah, but Dungeon Master. It's interesting, isn't it? Like yeah. Pep's created, he's created two monsters that have come back to kind of bite him. But you do worry that he's always got more levels. But there were signs that he was getting a bit, a bit rattled up. Midweek, it's we'll been get onto that. Interesting week. It is. Yeah, you start yeah. to see that that sort of classic Pep, where like when things aren't going his way, he starts to get a little rattled. But he usually gets a reaction. That's the thing. He's doing it. He's doing it for a reason. He's not an idiot. So, but there is one thing. You know, speaking of people getting rattled, you know, we were with our good friend Joshua at the pub earlier, and uh, he's not the biggest fan of the uh, the touchline antics of Mikel Arteta. That the reputation that Mikel Arteta has picked up in recent times. In regards to his antics on the touchline, um, mm-hmm. how do you feel about it? I love it, obviously. You know, I want that. But how do you feel as a neutral? I would like it if I was a fan. If I was a fan and that was my manager, I mean, 
I have followed Jurgen Klopp for like seven years now. He's not exactly <laughs> passive, you know. He's got into his fair few bits of uh, FA drama and scraps. So I think it's a positive overall because it comes from the top. You can see how much it means to him. And if you're not matching him, you're going to have a hard time getting in his starting team. That's the message that I get from it. However, he needs to not go so far out of his box. And, you know, he's calmed what? down now. What? It's, but like, of, it's like less than half a metre. There's only two people who go that far out of the box. Mourinho. <laughs> We're talking about Jurgen Klopp, who literally ran onto the pitch to celebrate with a player once. Forget about that, mate. That was, that was different. <laughs> that was different, all right? When you score a 90-second minute mate. off the crossbar <laughs> at Anfield against the old enemy, you go on the pitch. Arteta would be on that pitch too. Look, it was... Uh, I mean, he did pick up the yellow card right. today, obviously. He was saying to the referee, Luke Shaw... Uh, committed multiple fouls in that first half against Bukai Saka. Was it justified? It wasn't the biggest remonstration I've ever seen. Unless, you, as you uh, said, unless he called him a fucking knobhead. And then maybe... There might have been more that we didn't see on camera. There may well have been more. True. We might have only That's seen the, the second half of that conversation, the sort of PG version, but I did think it was a bit much. But yeah, bro. Man, look, let's talk about the game a little bit more. Both teams were really good in this game. Both teams went for it. Both teams were attacking. Both teams were really competent. Could have gone either way, I'd say, arguably. I think Arsenal were probably the better team for the start of both halves. And then they were the best team for the last 15 minutes. But Man United were... They were no passenger. They were no victim. They were incredibly dangerous. Led mainly by the main man. Probably the best player in the Prem right now on form. Marcus Rashford. Another wonder goal for him. Absolutely skinned Thomas Party And then just slotted it in. So... Man United are still a very serious team. Serious. And I think that is that is the main takeaway. In weirdly, there's almost both teams come away with a lot of credit. They were like there are more winners than losers, I think, coming out of this game. You can see that Arsenal are the most informed team in the Premier League right now. And Man United went toe to toe with them and almost almost drew. Almost won. Could have won. You know? Let's be fair. Yeah. Um it was never an easy win. I feel like three two was a deserved win. But mm-hmm. you, if if Man United had snuck in a winner, you couldn't have argued, because they set themselves up very well in the first half. They were really playing quite good football. Maybe the toughest opposition we've had at the at the Emirates this season. Um, and you know, Rashi was looking so informed, absolutely burnt Ben White in the first half so bad that Ben White got a yellow and just got hooked at half time. Like. <laughs> Benny Blanco's been cold yeah. this season, but I tell you what, he dropped the ball tonight. Rashford had him, had him living rent free. Was, There's no shame in that, tough. mate. There's no shame in that. But Rashford again, However, just proving the kind of player that he is. Like I have to, I have to give props to Rashford, mate. What a finish! It's just. Yeah, what I would say as well. In, in a week where Man United players have all spoken up about mental health issues, like Sancho's on his own sabbatical, Jesse Lingard's been talking about it on um, the Stephen Bartlett podcast, and Rashford's been talking about it as well. Like last season, they were all just affected by this kind of toxic nature of the club, and I think what you can see now is that where there's actual positivity what a big difference it makes to actual player performance and maybe not enough focus is on the mental side and the environment side that's what Arteta's done so well he's removed a lot of toxicity from the Arsenal club Mm. and he's created an environment where all of these young players are happy and they're comfortable and they're not like stressed about you know turning up and actually doing it because it's like it's quite hard like playing for Arsenal is probably quite a big deal. Say so he's playing for Manchester United or playing for someone else. Anyone in this position, and I right? think it highlights that you need like forward-thinking managers now in this era to accommodate 
like younger players because they need more looking after and you need to get them in the right kind of physical mindset and mental mindset as well um, to actually do something proper. Um, Very excellent. We're not in the stuff. era where, you know, where you're just like, you know, toxic masculinity era, basically, you know, where you're just like, <laughs> oh, mate, just don't worry about it. Just just, just put a brave face on and all that. Like, <laughs> just people get out there. <laughs> We're done with that. That's over. That's why all those old managers, they're done. They're done out here. You need young, progressive managers who get it. You know, that's why Graham Potter's going to be all right in the end if he gets the right players. He gets you reckon? It. You think emotional intelligence is more important than ever when it comes to managing a top-level team? I think so because, like, <laughs> not to bring up the not to bring up Pogba again, but like, if he'd been managing, a, if he'd been managed in a better way, like him at Arsenal, you may have seen the best of him. Mm. And like, same at you know Liverpool, for example, or like other teams where like you can see the dressing rooms together and there's like there's like positivity and like. We don't focus on the things people can't do. We focus on making the best of each player. You know, it's different. Instead of just putting him in that toxic Man United um, period. So yeah, I think it's important, and that's what Ten Hag's done now, mate. He's got yeah. rid of the bad, the bad eggs, and everyone's just looking a lot more rosy now. I'm really proud of you. You managed to shoehorn in Paul Pogba into a conversation, and I rate exactly. that. That's ten out of ten. Punditry. He's never. Sky Sports, we're just here, man. We're here, okay? We're here. But what about Pogba? <laughs> what about That's Pogba? That's a real question. <laughs> In this Arsenal team. But no, no, not completely agree with your points there about, you know, the mental state of players and the environment they play in um, and they train in and the environment of the club. It makes a huge difference, doesn't it? Um, mm-hmm. And that's something that Mikel's worked on. And I think what we saw today was six months into the process for Man United versus three years into the process for Arsenal. Um, yeah. I don't think anyone can doubt the direction that Ten Hag's pulling this United team into and their team to contend with again, which we can't, we haven't said in years. So, an amazing game of football, guys. Just a really good game of football and the right outcome for this podcast, which is the most important thing. So, <laughs> Arsenal, 50 points, 19 nice. games. You, you would know. We just never did a podcast when you were hitting the ceilings. Yeah, bro. We missed the boat. We really miss the vote. This podcast is it's two years time. too late, I'd say. Listeners, it is my <laughs> time to shine, guys. <laughs> yeah. Before we wrap up on this game, this was a phenomenal game, by the way. There's a lot we could probably do an hour on this game, realistically, but we're taking we're taking the decision to talk more about conceptual stuff on this podcast today. Um, however, having said that, let's go into specifics. Let's talk about two players that I think really stood out in this game. One on each side, to be fair, and neither of them are called Rashford. Firstly, Captain Odegaard, he's so good. Like, he makes challenges at one end, and then he will take the ball, he will drive the ball, and be the creative force at the other end. And I just think he's so good that at this point, without him, Arsenal will be, you know, kind of fighting around for fourth place. He's transformed the whole kind of attacking system so that everyone around him looks better and more involved. The goals are much more shared. It's no coincidence. It's because of him, I think, a large part of it. No. I'm just such a big give fan. Give your flowers to Bakaya Saka. Man of the match. Unbelievable. Yeah, we knew that. No. That's, you know, that's old news, mate. Bakaya Saka. Snatched a second out of nothing. What a player. What a player. That, and what yeah. a, you know, the mental strength on that young man. It's outrageous. Outrageous. So, Bakaya Saka, take a bow to him. Take a bow. You yeah, are. we were debating it in the pub. We were saying, what's the value of Bakaya Saka? And... 
this might have been the beer talking, but we decided on the figure of 150 million. <laughs> minimum, <laughs> minimum, minimum. Oh, sorry, minimum. Minimum. And that sounds stupid, but at the same point, is it stupid? No, he means so stupid? much for me as an Arsenal fan. He means so much to me, like more than actually is rational. To be honest, like he um, he he um, he embodies everything that this Arsenal team wants to be. He is the catalyst. Honestly, there is like a a pre sacket era and a post sacket era, and you'll see the trajectory of the two the two eras. He is. Do you think there's intertwined? Oh, he mate. is the embodiment of the rise. He is everything. Honestly, he is everything, and like it's just a blessing. Like he's an Arsenal man, just to watch him. Like you saw him today in full flow. It's what the highlights don't show you about Bukayo Saka is like what he does. You saw him play out of pressure, you know, like out of like a corner, picks up the ball, keeps it, doesn't dribble past four players, but just keeps the ball and just makes the right pass every time. Every time, mate. It's just <sighs> mental, mate. Mental. Especially after the World Cup he's had as well. Do you know what I mean? It's just the guy's levels and he has consistency and it's just like, oh, mate, it's just, it's a blessing. So, Kai Saka, get some sleep tonight, bro. You deserve it, man. My guy. Yeah, he's he's getting a bit emotional. I'm actually, so I might, I might cry in a second. So <laughs> let's just move in because Bakayo, I love you, bro. Wrong. I love you, bro. <laughs> Bakayo is such a wonderful, such a lovely guy, and he is what he does so well is he does he always does the right thing. He's got decision making of like a thirty year old. You know, he knows what the right pass is. He knows what the right time to dribble is. He just knows what to do every time. He's not flashy. He's just disgustingly and dangerously effective, which is like illustrating the second goal. Or was it a second goal? Yeah. Or the only goal that he scored for the second goal for Arsenal. There's no, there's no need to be going for that shot, but it was the right thing to do because there was nothing on. And he's just absolutely buried it. And he's thinking like he's weighed it up. He's decided this is probably the best option. I'm just going to go for it. And he's that good that he can deliver it. He's so good. So Massive cojones. You must be praying that he signs a contract. I have faith that if anyone's going to sign a contract, it's going to be Bukayo Saka. He's Mister mm. Arsenal. Has to, but I mean I understand. True. Like he deserves to get paid. Whatever he deserves to get paid. Sign the ting, Bukayo. <laughs> Whatever he wants. You know what I mean. Bukayo is at the wheel. Just <laughs> let him write a number. A god damn mate. No, seriously, seriously. Um, but yeah, you know, what will be will be. Who knows? But let's just enjoy it for now. He is Mr. Arsenal and I just have faith. But yeah, what a win. Yeah. Seismic. I still don't believe. It's, for some reason, this season seems like the longest season ever. We're only 19 games in. It's because we did a podcast, mate. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe, you know. Maybe, you know. Fucking hell. Could be. Could be. But yeah, Arsenal, every hurdle, they overcome it. One final boss to go. If Arsenal beat City, you have to say you're going to win the league. I won't accept it anymore. You pushed it back last week and you said if we beat United, you were going to say it. Yeah, but now it's if we beat City in the league, <laughs> then I'll say it. Exactly. Exactly. It's one That's game at a time, boys, even for the fan base. Do you know what I mean? We're all in the dressing room there. We know what the team talk is. Mm. Also, actually, can we just say one more thing? Bukayo Saka doing the same celebration as Rashford. Disrespect. Disrespect. <laughs> did you see that? Loved it. I thought they all did it. I swear every... I swear Nketiah, Saka and Rashford all did the same celebration. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. It's a bit... Maybe they're just boys. Maybe they're just Maybe, boys. I don't know. It's not like Bukayo to start beef like that, but he did it. 
Yeah, that's what I mean. I feel like maybe they're just boys. Okay. They all seem like really, really good lads, so maybe they're just boys. But you know, you can have that. You can have that one. Okay, fine. Speaking of the final boss, and some viewers might be like, viewers? Some listeners might be like, who is this final boss? Manchester City 3. Wolverhampton Wanderers 0. Haaland. Hat-trick. Hmm. Do you know what I mean? 14 minutes. We're back. Hmm. We're back. <laughs> this is it. Um, capping off, obviously, and, you know, this is... Blame blame the Premier League for this for the scheduling, right? Because it's 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 a nightmare for us podcasters. We have no idea what we need to be doing. Um, mm-hmm. So we're talking about this game, but we're going to obviously reference the the midweek result against Tottenham as well, which was absolutely chaotic, and really kickstarted Manchester City's resurgence. And this was a really resurgent performance, quite an underwhelming performance from Wolverhampton. Fair enough, but mm-hmm. a return to form for Manchester City, which I think is the main takeaway from this one. Yeah, 100%. Wolves are very passive. How many teams arrive at the Etihad already beaten? That is the reality. There's only one stadium where half the Premier League arrive and they're already beaten, mm-hmm. and that's the Etihad. Mm-hmm. There's no shame in it, but it's a shame that more teams aren't like Palace, where they go for them. Um, because Wolves have a really good midfield. Like They could make a contest of it. They could dominate possession. Their midfield is They were very unambitious, gravy. man. They had one shot on target all game. So that tells everything. Just no ambition. No ambition whatsoever, but yeah. Some stats about Haaland and his hat-trick. Um, that was his fourth Premier League hat-trick of the season, which already is a wild stat, but we're not done. He scored two hat-tricks in Germany in three years. So he's got four oh. in England in six months. What the hell? We are the Farmers League. We are the Farmers League. I mean, there was always that argument about, like, you know, even at Dortmund, he's not playing with, like, the best team. So imagine, like, if you played with a team like City, where you've got people like... Mm-hmm. No, they're absolutely right. It was so logical to have that train of thought. Like that absolutely happened. <laughs> Just yeah, he's he's now making this. mockery of everything for some big picture context of how crazy this guy is. Alan Shearer, probably regarded as the top two, if not the greatest Premier League striker of all time. You know, I'm doing a podcast with an Arsenal fan, so I've got to be careful what I say. But <laughs> Alan Shearer got 11 hat tricks across like a 15 year career. Haaland's got four. Aguero has the most hat-tricks in Premier League history of 12. So Haaland's 33% of the way to the all-time record after six months. He's dominating the league. But at what cost? It's not It's, it's not okay. Do you ever feel like Haaland is appropriate for 75% of the games, but then the other 25%, maybe he doesn't play? Maybe that's the real argument. Maybe against everyone who's already defeated... Like Wolves, you just send him on to bully them. But against the big teams and the big opposition, maybe you need something more fluid. Are up you top, suggesting you know? that he might a false be, nine? He might be a flat track bully. Well, he definitely is, but he's a bully to everyone. But you know what I mean. I know what you mean. I feel like maybe Wolver- Wolves didn't have a plan for Haaland, and some teams have come with a plan against Haaland this season. I've actually seen the rewards as well. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah, if you stifle him and you stifle De Bruyne, nothing gets done. He does it's require special treatment, and that's fair enough. Yeah. He's a specimen, 100%. Um, but yeah, Wolves were very kind of systemic in the way that they were playing. They didn't alter anything or accommodate the fact that they were playing against Haaland. So yeah, first goal, so clinical. Just ball in, bang, goal. De Bruyne, Haaland, mm-hmm. link up. 
What can you do? Standard bank. What can you do? Every time. Every goddamn goal day. Was a pen. Was a good pen. And the third goal. He scores pens. This is what he does. So he can't score pens. This is what he does. This is what he does. <laughs> what he does. So. And that was that. Is really. That Twenty-four goals now in the prem. I've lost count. Might I don't even be twenty-five. Like I've lost count, but either way, the, the record's thirty-six, and he's probably going to do it. He has surpassed Mo Salah and, and Son now for last season. I mean, Golden Boot. Lorcan, he's now won last season's Golden Boot. So Lorcan, who we were having a drink with at the pub, made a good point and said, if he does go on to beat the record and beat thirty-six, and not go on to win the Premier League, that's absolutely mad. Like that is mad. Yeah. That's when I'll be looking at you, Nathan, uh, what's his name, Nathan Ake. I'll be looking at players like that and be like, you've dropped off. Cancelo, you've dropped off. Gundogan, you've dropped off. Everyone else has dropped off, mate. It's just De Bruyne and Haaland maintain their levels. Grealish is probably operating at a high level and Mahrez is. But the Still midfield no and defence has dropped off a little bit, man. I mean, you've rightly pointed out Rico Lewis played very well. Yeah, he did, mate. It's just nice to see, like, City's invested a lot in that academy and you can start to see there's steady, consistent, high-quality players coming out now. You've got Cole Palmer off the bench. You've got Rico Lewis actually starting, which is big. And then you've always got Phil Foden. Hashtag I mean, to bench kids. Cancelo, even if he is out of form, that is mm. pretty good going, man. Pretty good going. So, yeah, bro. They're looking, they're looking very ominous and I think City are probably going to be focused because... Post Spurs game, Pep had a lot of choice words to say about the City home fans. He was quite, he was quite forthright in his opinion. He was quite aggressive, I'd say overall. Um, he's not the first time he's called out City home fans either for being quiet, for not getting behind the team. And you can understand his point because the gist of it was that he feels like they're spoiled because they just expect every game to be four nil, and if it's not, they boo the team because they booed them at half time against True. Spurs. Because, and he's not wrong. I don't know what he's really expecting as well. Yeah. Sometimes, you know, there's a lot of fans in that stadium that weren't fans 10 years ago. There's a lot of fans in that stadium that aren't like City fans. They're like specific player fans, you know, like I'm a fan of Harlem. I mean. I'm a if fan you of pluck a team out of obscurity and, you know, pinch them with the golden pinch, then this is, this is the outcome. You're not going to have lifelong fans, lifelong fans. Sorry. Do you know what I mean? Like, they are going to come mm-hmm. for the glory and they're going to expect glory and the moment that you do drop off the moment that you show a slight chink in the armour they're going to boo because you know the reality is is that most fans that go to the Etihad are probably there a bit like the Emirates was and the Emirates probably still is it is you know it's like it's a it's a tourism thing you know? yeah it is apparently yeah I mean it's visible there's a lot of half and half scarves at the Etihad and that is always a really bad sign because there is absolutely no way that I'd ever have a Liverpool Everton scarf. <laughs> like, <laughs> get that away from me right now. So I feel like that's a telltale sign. The away fans of City, just, you know, for balance, are phenomenal. Just like most away fans, they're proper, they're proper fans. But yeah, it can be definitely quiet at the Etihad when the game isn't already done by half time. And he doesn't, he has a point. But he's maybe doing that pep thing where he goes a little too hard and he gets a little too carried away you know, know. with his passion. Two massive wins for City this week. Maybe they're just back yeah. at it. Maybe maybe he knows what he's doing. And Mr. Pep, I would not I still wouldn't bet against him for five titles in six years. Come May. 
you know he's I mean? trying to get a response. He's sparking a response, mm. and he got it. He got it in this game, to be fair. But he is trying to spark a response from the fans and from the players, and I respect that. He's brave, Pep. No one can say he's not a brave manager, and he doesn't know what he's doing. It doesn't always Sorry, work out, yes. but he doesn't let things happen to him. He's always, you know, taking things forward and trying to attack any opportunity. And he's obviously seen that there's a bit of complacency amongst everyone. Little refocus. Arsenal fans should be worried. But anyway, on to... Unless you want to talk about... Do you want to talk about City Spurs? Do you want to say anything about City Spurs before we go? Yeah, Spurs, man. Come on. (laughs) (laughs) Do you know what happened? They realised that their hatred of Arsenal is bigger than winning. Yeah, fair enough, but... Spurs, man. (laughs) (laughs) Really? Really? It's petty. It's petty. I don't have anything else to say. I think it, I think it says <laughs> the result and the way it went down speaks volumes and certainly speaks for itself. Um, yeah, Conte, as expressions on YouTube said, Conte at the end of the season. Conte, <laughs> yeah, he's he's gone. You can see that. I don't think he's the right guy for this job, and I don't think he believes he can do anything with this anymore. I don't think he can be bothered. He- like <laughs> he literally can't be bothered. Like. He should be at PSG, you know, like, fuck the esteem. Like, he doesn't want to drag Tottenham to the top. And this Tottenham team nah. just don't look like they're enjoying it. And if it wasn't for Harry they're Kane, playing, they'd be 4 5 nil. They'd be down with us, mate, in the mud. In the mud. <laughs> Harry Kane papered over a lot of cracks in that Tottenham team at the moment, especially with Hyun Son absolutely losing form. So, that's all I want to say. Um, Tottenham obviously play Fulham on Monday, which we'll touch on later, so... We can properly yep. review them then, or maybe just not review them at all. But anyway, we're going to move in to quite a big game at the other side of the table. West Ham 2, mm-hmm. Everton 0. You felt, coming out this weekend, that whoever the loser of this fixture would be, would be the manager to lose their position at their job. Now, Lampard had, seems, as of recording right now, to retain the faith with the Everton board. But again, it was a listless performance. No belief. It was. Nothing of note. And I just come out of it feeling underwhelmed and feeling like Lampard is not the man to get everything out of this crisis, which I think we can safely assume is a crisis at this point. What are your thoughts? It's definitely a crisis. It's definitely a crisis, and I agree. I was surprised that Lampard was still in. I don't think having the board on side is a great vote of confidence when the fans patently have no regard for the board's opinion so it's almost like being the board's man is a negative at this point mm. <laughs> you know I don't even think the fans are that mad at Lampard I think they recognise he's been dealt a really bad hand he's got a collection of players bought by different managers for too much money that aren't that great that don't necessarily work together and he hasn't had loads of you know investment since then he's bought in you know the signings he's made Connor Cody good signing and who else Mope not such a good signing and then who was he got someone else? I can't remember. Just a game maybe? I can't remember. But his signings have actually been okay. They've made a positive impact overall. I'm not convinced about him as a manager, but I don't think many managers would do well. They've gone through so many different types of managers, Everton. They've had like World Beater, Ancelotti, they've had Rafa Benitez, the ultimate conservatist, they've had Lampard now, they've had Marcus. There's so many and they're all different and they've all failed in the end. So that's when you realise Everton are fucked until 
they make some major changes internally. And I think at this point, they should probably just put the stadium build on hold and maybe just buy a couple of players with a week left for January. Right. I just don't know if it works like that, though, with planning permission and licenses. Like they, those have an expiry date, you know, your application. So, yeah, I don't it's know. Just, but I don't oh, it's come at the wrong time. And this mismanagement yeah. is finally coming to the coming to bear fruit, unfortunately, for Everton. And again, I just, I just don't see how they get out of this mess. They don't have no, the team to really. Ah, oh, the team, man. <laughs> they just look there's so a lot disjointed, of don't they? Yeah, there's a lot of hope on DCL's return, and he was he was a little off the pace of this game. He had a couple half chances, and you expect him to bury one of them, maybe. He's obviously struggling with fitness, so we can't we can't make a big judgment on that. But you feel like if he doesn't start firing, they are done. They're going to go down because they they just look a mess, and West Ham don't look great either, but. Just a big win, a very big win. Uh, Jared Bowen, two goals. He had twins. He got two goals. Nice tribute. Nice. Weird thing, weird quirk, but it works out. So that was cool. They're both like very poetry goals, I think. You know, just like lurking around the sort of penalty spot and just making the most of any sort of scraps that came his way. And he's had quite a quiet season, but I feel like if he can start to get back into the kind of form he showed last season. That will honestly put West Ham like on a course for like tenth before you know it. You know, it, it's it's just so tight right now, and they do have a really good team. They 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 have a top ten team realistically, so maybe Moyes will work it out in the end. I don't know, but I, I want to talk about one more of my favourite topics. I've got a couple favourite topics on this podcast. <laughs> one of them's Danny Ings. Danny Ings has moved to West Ham. Danny Ings has successfully now navigated two transfers that caught everyone by surprise because there was no rumours and there was no real logical need to sign him both times. So it's happened again. He signed for West Ham. I feel like he's probably made the bad move again. Just like Villa, he's probably going to be a backup. Maybe even a backup's backup after, you know, behind Antonio and Scamacca. So I feel like he should have moved to Southampton still. Should have moved back and saved their season. Oh, it's not a but, great choice, is it? West Ham or Southampton. He loves the uh, team in Claret, so fair play. Three Claret teams. That must be a record. That must be an absolute record, must it? It must be a record. It must be. Someone look into that. Someone tell us if that is has ever happened Yeah. across a player's career. No, surely no one surely. has ever played for West Ham, Villa and Burnley. Literally, it's such a weird quirk. In this era, the Danny Ings, Claret teams. He knows, he knows what colours suit him, bro. <laughs> <laughs> Colour coordinated. Yeah, Daddy Ings goes by colour of a uh, club kit more than <laughs> anything else. He's not interested. No. Wages, don't care. No, Playing time, don't, don't care. care. <laughs> what colour is the kit? <laughs> don't care. <laughs> Claret and blue. And on that's it. it. <laughs> Where do I sign? <laughs> Say no more. <laughs> Say no more, bro. But um, I mean, it's a very Moisey signing and a real yeah. breakaway from Smacker. So it'd be interesting. Back to, to see. what he knows, mate. Yeah. Proven British. Players. That's very much like look, just revert back to type. I'm going to save my season kind of signing, but exactly. it's just going to be an interesting one. But a massive win nonetheless. And yeah, yeah, I honestly Lampard. I feel like Lampard should just get into punditry, bro. You're not that guy. You're not that guy. <laughs> you know what? Lampard and Gerard, mate. They could be the new like Carragher and Neville, man. You know they've always been grouped together. Embrace it. No, Build exactly. a brand around Guys, it. You just not quite good enough you know when you, Unai Emery yeah. comes and takes your job Steven Gerrard it's what you're up against it's what you're up against there's no shame 
and say that maybe Unai Emery is just generally a better coach because he is you know like being oh, yeah, a world class player does is. not translate into being a world class coach and it's the a real very question romantic is, idea but where is Sean Dyche in all of where this where is Sean why is he not the Everton manager yet I don't know I don't know because I feel like Sean Dyche got a good crack at, at saving their season so yeah you got no money but you want to stay up I'm your man I'm your man who knows, mate? Basically. Who knows? I don't know what the agenda is no. against Sean Dyche, but who knows? Let's take this break and we'll let the listeners stew over why Sean Dyche is still not employed at the bottom of the Premier League. And welcome back to From the Bar Seat, or the Pub Seat. Um, <laughs> Sunday Sessions, let's go. <laughs> okay, Leicester 2, Brighton 2. It's like a match of two teams that should be in the same place. Both very well-run clubs, but both in very different directions. But I'd say overall, a very, very decent point for Leicester, who actually probably should have taken all three Um and that is the first points they've taken since the World Cup. So I think that's a really big improvement for them because based on Brighton's form, you felt like Brighton were going to get quite an easy win at Leicester. But instead, they just about scraped an equaliser in you know the last few minutes. So I think promising signs for Brendan. Every time you think he's dead and there's no more nails to put in his coffin, he finds a way to just, I don't know, poke a little air hole and just show that there's signs of life. I'm not convinced he's going to turn it around fully, but I like it. I like I mean, it. I'm here for it. It was a, a real kidney punch. Um, the equaliser for Brighton in what was must have been the 89th minute. Mm. Leicester really thought they'd done it. Um, I was watching it and it was really actually a really competitive game. And it, I felt it like was. Leicester, with James Madison back in the side, albeit as a substitute, they just they just had something about them. And it, it was a very evenly contested game against you know, Brighton, which is one of the most informed teams in the league. That's no shame. There's no shame in a 2-2. So, yeah, it's just it, it does feel like two points lost for Leicester. Mm-hmm. Um, and, yeah, questions about Brendan and his future at Leicester. But I think he's turned the season around from where it was. They were rooted at the bottom for a good period of this whole campaign. So I think there has to be they, some credit given to him. They were, but then you look at the actual table and they're only one point above 18th. True. True. Do you know what I mean? Know, but you know, like Jamie Vardy's finally passed it. Um, I think Brendan alluded alluded to this as well previously, where he said, you know, some players aren't at their peak because they were disappointed they didn't get a move in the summer mm-hmm. or a move in January. I think he's got a very kind of low morale squad, a very disjointed squad. That you know, there's a lot of disharmony coming from Leicester camp, and it's emanating from him. I suppose he is responsible for that. I've just talked myself into changing my mind because I think he is responsible <laughs> for that. You know. That, for that squad ultimately you know the buck does stop with, with Brendan so yeah a really tough one I do like Brendan though I think he's a great football mind um, yeah and he it's came just, up against another great football mind arguably yeah the hottest the hottest manager in the league right now probably in Deserby there's just he's, he's got he's got that thing he's got that thing about him you know mm. you know that he's going to get a big job after this you can feel it it's inevitable if he wants he's it, bits, because he? he's doing bits, he's having a great time. And that Brighton team's so much fun, man! It's just so much yeah. fun. 
I mean, yeah, if we think about specifics, look, Brighton have sold Trossard to Arsenal. I feel like, on the surface, this might be one of those rare deals where every single party is a good is a good thing, is positive. Brighton didn't really want him anymore, and it seems like they might not need him. Trossard didn't want to be there. Arsenal needed someone, and he seems like a good fit. It might be one of those rare transfers where it all works out, you know? Not like Kukurea, where Brighton would have kept him. Chelsea now, not sure if they should have bought him. Kukurea probably is like, oh, man, so, you know what I mean? Most transfers is always a losing party, but this might be one that works out. Because Brighton have now got Matoma, who scored another absolute screamer. Worldy. Oh, cutting inside, curling it from outside the box. He is my favourite player. He's my favourite player. He's so good. Like the chops, the changes of direction, it's mesmerising. It's it's phenomenal stuff. Solly March, unfortunately, Solly slipped and just absolutely tanked it. But again, it's just like the calm and composure of Matoma as well. Just like the body faints and oh, it's just oh, mate, it's just such. It's classic. It's just classic Tony B- Tony Bloom behaviour, mate. Oh. He's already lined up Trossard's replacement, and we we are aware of him. We we're like, who's this twenty-five-year-old Japanese guy? You know, it's not a wonder kid. This guy's like, who is this guy from the J League at twenty-four? From nowhere, from nowhere. Mental. Not even like a seventeen prodigy. Not something that's no. highly rated on social media. No, this is pure data science, mate. Star yeah. lizard. Shout him out, Tony Bloom. God damn, bro. <laughs> the Bloomist, mate. The Bloomist oh, pods, mate. full force. Look, my but, heart bleeds Arsenal, but I'm a big fan of Bloom. I'm a big fan of the Blooms. He's yeah. He must be like you've seen. You've seen the news about Chelsea's 55 million bid to Caicedo, which will doesn't matter how professional you are, is going to unsettle you somewhat. Mm-hmm. Uh, just when will it start for Brighton fans? When will Chelsea are like the boogeyman? They are. They're just like this big motherfucker. They're just be fuming. I, I mean, Every I, time you have I've a good thing a going, it, you know, like they stole Madrid, which will come on. The <laughs> That's not half as bad as having like half your team gutted by these West London wankers. Yeah. Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> I just, uh, Brian fans, let me know how you feel, but like, oh, just they deserve. I feel like everyone's back in Brighton to do really well and they're having a great season. Um, yeah. And does that be just a great appointment? It's just, oh, bloom, isn't they it? just do it right. Come Everything back. they do, they do it right. I mean, look, S opinion. He he came in last season because Kukurea was there and they were like, we always need someone on the back burner in case any of our players get bought. They I have someone was, for Kaiseido already. I think he was a direct replacement though. Est opinion. Was he there replacement? Was he not there last season? No, no, literally like they sold Cucurella bang within a week they, they signed Est opinion from Villarreal. Well, forget everything I've just said. Frank Doesn't matter. Place. This game, two assists. He was immense at both ends. He made some challenges that kind of saved one on ones. He's got two assists in this game and you think like give Chelsea know. a call, mate, in the summer. Be like, what's <laughs> opinion? Fancy it? Eighty mil? Ninety mil? What are you saying? I know, but will the conveyor belt ever end? You know what I mean? Like Never. It will never think... end. While Tony Bloom is there, it will never end. Taken. They've had their players taken. They've had their manager taken. They've had their backroom staff taken. I'm surprised the dinner ladies haven't been taken. <laughs> what <laughs> we else are they going to take? We don't know that they haven't, mate. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? It's like, Todd Bailey might be like, Tony, Downey, how much <laughs> just to buy you? What, Don Todd? <laughs> <laughs> just how much for you? <laughs> Become my feeder. You know what I mean? Like, when will it end for bloody, for bloody Brighton then? So, yeah, you make a good point, but then, yeah. Look, they got 18-year-old Ferguson. 
his equaliser was phenomenal. Well, I was like, I thought that was a genuinely like world class header. He's so far away from goal. Who is this Glanced absolute the post. monster? This Irish he, he, Goliath. He, yeah. If Haaland wasn't in the league, we'd be looking at this guy like this guy's a freak of nature. Who is He's this so guy? big for a teenager? <laughs> it's just we've been we've been long been saying that Brighton need a striker. Like a, and they a just found one. Literally and they just had one. The they had this absolute monster just in the reserves. Um, yeah. yeah. And they were just they were just letting letting him get frustrated, letting him get riled up, but then they finally unleashed him, you know, when he was peak. Look at him, mate, he's unstoppable now. What I will say, I've said this before, stop playing a Marty as a centre back. It's actually it's it's dumb. Stop it. Just stop doing it. He was nowhere near Ferguson. He should have been marking him. He's left him. Amati's rubbish as a centre back. I don't know why this keeps happening. There's something fishy going happening. on. I don't know if like Amati's got some like something on Brendan or something, but like stop playing him as a centre back. He's rubbish as a centre back. He's okay as a midfielder. He's rubbish as a centre back, and it keeps happening. And look where it gets you. Nowhere. He just doesn't anyway. want to give time to um some to Sanchi for whatever reason. Yeah. So we'll leave it as it may. As you say, any way. Bournemouth won. Nottingham Forest won. Fair enough. Fair enough. Yeah. Um, I think the main thing to say is, has there ever been a better signing than Chris Wood signing for Forest from a sort of headline newspaper perspective? The wood <laughs> in the forest. Can't see the wood from the trees. <laughs> the potential the is endless. The pipe stopped me. The pipe stopped me from, from understanding that reference. So that's brilliant, yeah. Maybe they did it for purely marketing terms because I'm sure yeah. as hell think they don't need another striker. But no, hey, me neither. You know, why stop when you have five? Six is better exactly. than five. So. What I do know is Awanee is injured and Jesse Lingard seems caught up in his own thing. So they might mm. actually be a little light. It's a loan, end of the day. So a six-month loan for someone who, personality-wise, is probably very different to Forrest. Seems like they have quite a nice group of people. So just bring in an absolute shit house just to mix it up a bit. He is a shit Might house. Be what you need, you know? No. Might be what you need. Born and bred, he is a proper shit house as well. He knows how to survive as well. He's been through Burnley, mm. the Burnley system for years. Mm-hmm. He knows how to survive in the Prem. So it could be an inspired loan signing, to be fair. Fair enough. Um, Bournemouth, mate, this was their first goal since the World Cup, so that's nice for them probably should have seen it out but they're just so so terrible at defending set pieces like to be honest I was surprised they didn't concede sooner they conceded a goal from the first set piece that they experienced it was eventually ruled out um, for offside but it was very very close and every set piece from then they literally they shit themselves to be honest with you they just absolutely shit themselves you just think like you can't you can't you can't go through Premier League life like this like with half of the season left to go, you can't. Because if I'm like playing Forest, I'm like, right, lads, this week we're only doing corners and free kicks. We don't need to practice anything else. Let's just get our routines in. Because as soon as we get one, it's a goal. If we do it right, it's a goal. It's that simple. Yeah. But yeah, Bournemouth just haven't shown the same result that they had pre-World Cup. And you've been long alluding to it, but maybe it does have something to do with Gary O'Neill getting a full-time contract. Which makes yes. no sense. I can't think of one reasonable reason why that would have any impact in terms of playing performance. But here we are. And it's just how it works, mate. Once you've got the carrot, once you've got the carrot, 
You don't work for the carrot anymore, mate. You know, it's been. Are you saying Gary O'Neill's dropped off? I'm saying that maybe he was running at 200% focus, and now he's only at 100% focus. That seems. That seems strange, but hey ho, you know what I mean? Like, I think one one's a fair result against a fair relegation rival. But you know, look at Steve Cooper. I think let's give some some credit to Steve Cooper doing a great job now. Post World Cup, yeah. I think Nottingham Forest have been much improved. So it's a pearl of two fortunes, really. I don't know the stats, but I would hazard a guess that they probably got more points than Liverpool since the World Cup. So it's been a good turnaround, man. They're they're shooting up the league realistically. Like they're sitting in thirteenth. They're only. They're the best of the rest, with Palace being above them and Villa. You know, like they are—they're doing really, really well. They really are. Don't speak too soon. Honestly, I—I literally can't make a call down there. If someone put a gun to my head and said, "Tell me who the three teams are going down," I literally—I'll be dead. I'll be dead. Brains all over the place. Yeah, (laughs) this week I'm saying Southampton are probably good, but Everton. But suddenly Southampton are like great again. Everton are definitely going down, and you just can't decide. This um, week I'm saying Everton and Bournemouth are done. Next week, ask me after Lampard's won five nil. Who knows? Yeah, Lampard will just now win six in a row and just make us look like absolute idiots. So I'm just not going to make any calls anymore. But I tell you what, let's talk about two teams that have really gone off the boil. Really, really gone off the boil. Liverpool nil, Chelsea nil. <laughs> um, now this is a special segment because I think you have a little update from uh, Uncle BK, our relative over in Toronto, Canada. I do. I do indeed. So, regular listeners will know that Uncle BK, very, very periodically and very infrequently, will just send me a message, usually just to point out the inadequacies of Liverpool. And he sent me another one on Saturday, yesterday. No need for it, if I'm honest, but that's <laughs> part of the fun. <laughs> so, he just wrote, another perfect performance by loser ball. <laughs> Massive credit to Jurgen Flop. <laughs> oh, and that was that. And that, that was the end of it. <laughs> that was it. <laughs> that was it. No, no need for that. <laughs> it's personal tax oh, out of nowhere. But the real question is, there. Uncle BK, where are you now? Man United has got no points this weekend, and we've got one. <laughs> <laughs> One point game, oh. boy. <laughs> but yeah, look, this will just be a running theme. Whenever Uncle BK sends me a message, we're going to read it out as part of the new the new focus and agenda. Oh, that was so because savage. They're just I... crackers. I know, it was so unnecessary. It's so brutal. <laughs> yeah, I love that. Just, I love he's got that no interest in either of these teams emotionally. He's no vested interest. No. Just came in to cause some damage and then he just left You're the room. You're a good flop. <laughs> <laughs> You're a good flop. <laughs> In fairness, I have a bones pick of Jurgen Klopp because he has been a bit disparaging with his comments this week. He's, um, he's been dropping. He's been dropping. Yeah, he's just so been drive by. For context, this is his thousandth game as a manager, and I, he 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 basically mentioned that in Wenger's thousandth game he lost six 0 He said, "I'm glad I didn't happen because sheesh, that would be really bad." Just yeah. like an unnecessary shot from Jurgen, and again eroding. That affable German man up in the Merseyside is quickly becoming enemy number one. And he's spiky, bro. He's, he's spiky, spiky these days. Man. He's spiky, dude. He's he's at his spiky worst right now. He's a very good manager, but he's a very bad loser, and you can tell that he's seriously irked by what's going on. What I will say is that he finally did it. Major changes for the lineup. Got rid of Trent. Got rid of Fabinho. Got rid of Henderson. Got rid of Matip. Van Dijk's injured. 
you know. So major, major changes. Pachetic, Pachetic got his first start. Yeah, Joe Gomez coming in. So it was uh, under strength, but it's not like anyone was doing anything good before them. Um, so I respect that. He's at least trying some new things finally. If he could just stop doing that high line, that'd be great. But, you know, baby steps. Both teams got a clean sheet. They've been on horrible runs recently. I don't remember the last time we got a clean sheet, really, against a big team. It's been a long time. So that was nice. Admittedly, Chelsea did score after three minutes, and I thought, oh, God, here we go. But it was just offside. So that was nice. But, yeah, I'm just going to say it. Chelsea were a lot better in general in this match. Much, much better. They really they were. had more shots, they created more chances, they had more possession, they looked more cohesive, which is a joke because half of their team has just met. And the only reason they didn't score is because they are not very good at finishing and Alisson is a really good goalie and that's literally the only reason. Um, all eyes on Mudrik and he didn't disappoint, did he Hugh? He must have been very upset by that. He looked really good. I, <laughs> I, I watched it live and I thought, very interesting, I hope he flops. Like, I hope he he's timid. This is Anfield away, like a really hard debut. Nah, had Milner on toast, had him booked within five minutes for coming on. I thought, oh god, like, yeah. he looks like the perfect player to rotate with Martinelli. And I can understand why there's a lot of hype based off that performance because I think with a new signing, you just want to see a glimpse. And I, I'm going to say this because it mirrors Cody Gakpo, in which this game. There were glimpses, but it didn't excite you in the same way. You know, mm-hmm. it almost felt a bit underwhelming on Gapko's part. And I think it's unfair, obviously, to judge both of them based off either of these, um, based off this match. But yeah, I'd be excited about him too if he played for Arsenal. And you know, I can understand. Like, obviously, it must be great as a Chelsea fan just to buy away, just keep buying, buying, buying. Um, like, it must be so fun, but. Yeah, bro. It looks fun. That's it, actually. It just looks fun. You know, they've they've signed they've signed someone else since then. They've signed another winger since Bayern Madrid. Don't know why there was no need for it, but it is what it is. But I think Chelsea will probably come away thinking it was two points dropped because Liverpool were there for the taking. Yeah, we're we're pretty rubbish, but draw suits no one really, does it? Like we're both so far behind and. We really just need wins, like a run of wins, to even begin to contemplate doing something and salvaging like a top four spot, for example. A draw services no one. And yeah, you're right, Gakpo did have a bit of a quiet game. He had a few chances that if he was playing if he was playing at the World Cup for Holland he would have buried. So it's been a take some time. Look, it's only two games. Period. It's only two games. And it's not like he's coming into a team that's in great confidence or great form. So you know, everything's looking a little off right now. The only thing I will say is when Darwin Nunes came on, he did look infinitely more dangerous immediately. Even if he is just a, a wrecking ball of chaos and rogue finishing, he does at least look like he's going to do something. Oh, the game changed when Darwin came on. And there were a couple of chances where, you know, he, he came up one-on-one on, one on one against Thiago Silva. And there's no shame losing those. You know, he's still raw and it's going to take some time. But he, definitively, Liverpool are a better team. Darwin Nunes in it so yeah long yeah. may the Lord of Chaos continue completely here for it I'm sold I'm sold 
I'm here for it, mate. Now, on to another player who's very noticeable. Southampton deal, Aston Villa 1. On the Tyrone Mings noticeability scale, which is a thing nice. that regular listeners will know about, I feel like it was throbbing, it was wobbling early on because he appeared to leave a cross and then let Carl Walker-Peters just bundle it in. And I just thought, oh dear, here we go. T Mings is in the building. He's doing that thing again. But it turns out he'd marshaled a really great offside trap. But, you know... Good or bad, mate, he's always very noticeable. Everything centres around the vortex that is Tyro Mings. And, yeah, that's all I really have to say on Tyro Mings, actually, no, to be fair. completely agree. And the Tyro Mings scale is... It's right, you know? He is so noticeable as a centre-back. And, again, is that a good thing or a bad thing? It's a bad thing. It's a bad thing. 100%. Do you know who else was really noticeable as a centre-back? Dayton Lovren. <laughs> Bad thing. <laughs> so true. Do you know who else is noticeable? Mustafi. <laughs> it's a bad thing. Do you ever notice, like, Harry Gabrielle? Maguire is quite noticeable as well. Harry Maguire yeah. is very noticeable. Yeah. You don't notice Gabrielle it's too true. much. It's so funny, you know. It's like sometimes, most of the time, if a centre, like a centre-back's performance will make you come away feeling, like, if you know, if you if you remember a centre-back's performance, it's, it's almost exclusively gone badly. Mm-hmm. You don't even think, oh, he was terrific at the back. He might do sometimes when they're like Van yeah. Dyke that joined that season. Can't remember which one way. It was just in periods, but very rare. You just like, yeah, you know what? Like they had a really good game centre back, and I noticed that. Usually, it's just abysmal. It's the only time you It's a real thing, bro. You don't ever want to be it on is. the high end of the Tyrone Mings noticeability no. scale. You don't want to be a full Tyrone Mings as a defender. No one wants that. It's no. bad for your brand. So out of one to ten Tyrones, what are you given? What are you given this performance? I'd say he was a solid seven out of ten Tyrones for this okay. game. Okay, okay. It was a, it was just a regular Tyrone outing, really, for Tyrone. Just an away day. But then he did, he did also do an interview before the game and say that he used to be bad, but he's now evolved into an elite centre back. And I thought, why are you doing that? I, immediately, I was taken back to Dan Lovren, where he was like. Realistically, I'm top five centre-backs in the world because Croatia's in the semi-finals of the Euros. And I was just like, don't say that. Don't say that, Dejan. Don't say no, that. No, at least Dejan won a couple of things as well. True. But you're just like, don't say stuff like that. If you're asked, don't say anything because you can only fail from saying such a ridiculous statement. Yeah, the thing is, is like, I'd love to say it's a one-off, but he's, he's got form for saying some of these things. Quite outlandish sometimes. So, you know what? He's a ty- There's a reason we've based a scale off Tyrone Mings. That's all I'll put on that. But it's a big mm-hmm. win for Villa. And, you know, Southampton big win. were unfortunate. They had a goal mm. ruled out. It's unfortunate. They're two goals disallowed, man. Two goals. Two. Goodness me. I'm yeah, mate. Them. So they had an initial goal from Carl Walker-Peters disallowed for offside, which was correct, by the way. And then James Will-Prowse scored a second goal, which was ruled out for a foul on Jacob Ramsey because El Nusi stood on his ankle and he fell over. I thought it was harsh... That's just my opinion. I think they should just let it slide. And I think Southampton are pretty terrible at scoring goals. So when you have two disallowed, I think you know it's not going to be your day. You ain't scoring a third. That's that's too much to ask. That's really harsh. Southampton really been in the ascendancy recently. So mm-hmm. at least they can take JWP, heart. mate. At least they can point to something and say, "Well, we were unfortunate there, boys. It wasn't just a conclusive one 0 win for Villa." Uh, but Unai Emery quietly getting on with the job since he's come in he's doing a stellar stellar job but I think one of the interesting things that's happened is that 
getting rid of Danny Ings means he's decided that Ollie Watkins is his man. He's decided that I'm going to back this striker. And Ollie Watkins has not been in very good form. And he said it in his interview. He was like, I haven't. He was like, you judge strikers on goals and I haven't scored many. But I'm working on it. And you can see that like, it's, it's bothering him a lot. But he scored in this game and he scored the winner. And you feel like days after selling Ings, to come in and score the winner, that's exactly what he needed. That's exactly what Villa needed. That's exactly what everyone needed. Because if he'd fluffed a load of chances, question marks, pressure immediately. So mm, it's just feel like it's, he hasn't kicked on. It's just worked out well. Like Embry's managed it well by forecasting the future yet again after signing Moreno like two days before Luca Digne got injured, and now he's like Ollie Watkins is going to start scoring. I can feel it. Get rid of everyone else. We don't need him, and then he scores. It's phenomenal, mm. mate. Unai Emery's in touch with I don't know different dimensions. Mate, whisper it quietly, but next season's Villa, very different prospect, you know, very different. Yeah, here's some fun stats for you, mate. Do you remember how rubbish they were under Mm -hmm. Gerrard? They were like, what, 18th? Mm. They're now one point behind Chelsea, Brentford and Liverpool. Yeah, that's mad. I don't know, I don't know who that reflects best or worst on, really. Doesn't reflect well on anyone here, really, but yeah. No, but by, it just by, justified. By, justified by next weekend, bro. They could be seventh by next weekend, is what yeah. I'm saying. Mad. 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 Now let's move on. Crystal Palace nil. Newcastle nil. Mm. This was quite a boring game, bar one really special moment. And uh, one that I've been told about many times, shall we say. Which is Nick Pope's wonder save to deny Crystal Palace. A great turn. Best save of the I season, mate. IU. IU Jordan IU. Um, no, it was um what's what? his name? What's his name? Mateta? Mateta, it was Mateta. Oh. It was a good save. I'd give it. It was a good save. What are you trying to say? I'm just say what say you really mean. He did hit it at him. What you're saying is Ramsdale would have done that all day long. That's I'd like to have thought so. I can't really say that with a straight face obviously after today but <laughs> <laughs> yeah but you know I think the best save that I can remember from the season was Ramsdale was it this season it was well, a free the kick the one Madison yeah, yeah. See, I, 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 that... I personally put that because he had he died for that one this one was very much reflex in that maybe I haven't seen like the distance between goalie and Mateta maybe it was really short and like it is unbelievably uh, there's no question about it it's an amazing save but but nonetheless it was a phenomenal save and it just highlights that even when you get through the imperious back line after battling through the midfield of Newcastle you've still got Nick Pope to beat and he's in some seriously good form I know. you just think like Newcastle don't concede goals so they can never lose that's what they're going for and now even if they're not winning you know they probably should have won this game but they didn't really play well enough to deserve it I'd say overall and that is three draws in four games for Newcastle now, but they never lose. They never, never, no, never lose because so they never solid, concede. Man. It's 15 top flight games in a row. They're unbeaten now for Newcastle. 15! And we've played 20 games. That means since since Liverpool, where we beat them in a 97 minute, they haven't lost a game. No, that's so bad. That is bad. Since like September. It's insane. That's title winning form in a normal season without freakish outliers that are, you know, Man City and Arsenal. And yeah, it honestly looks like they'll never concede again. That's how like rock solid they yeah. are. And yeah. Eddie Howe is supposed to not be able to organise a defence, apparently. 
do wonder if Gimmerish's injury might uh, be linked to the drop off that they're having because he is the difference yeah, the... maker between that midfield, that defence. He is, he is, he is that box to box man. He was Mister Newcastle at the beginning of the season. So, yeah, true. That's true. I mean, Alvarez dropped off, and yeah, maybe there is just a little bit lacking up top. But you don't worry about them, do you? God, they just look really good. Three years time. I know. God. We're done out here. Liverpool's never getting back in the Champions League, mate, at this point. We are strugs. We are strugs. <laughs> <laughs> We've had fun. <laughs> We've won the thing. We don't want it anymore. Two more gibberishes or people of that ilk. And suddenly you're talking about a very different team. Mm-hmm. Goodness me. Well. They've done very well. well. I want to give a shout out to Palace as well. They've had two games within four days against Manchester United and Newcastle, who are third and fourth. And they've drawn both of them, and they've got clean sheet one of them, and I think that's a really good sign for like Palace fans. Like these, it's not like they're bad teams. Newcastle, Man United are in hot form as well. They're really, really, really good. I mean, Man United they played excellently today. Um, so yeah, two two draws against them. They can mix it with the best. They just need to be better against everyone else, and that's just classic Palace. Really, they look good, and then they just don't get any points or don't get the rewards that they deserve. And that is their main issue. But they're all right. They're like 12. They'll be fine. Fair enough. Fair enough. We're going to leave that game there. We're going to move on to the last game that we're reviewing. Leeds United nil. Brentford nil. Ah, oh, boring as you It's like. that one. It's a boring game. That's why it's mm. last. There's always mm. one. <laughs> <laughs> and it's Leeds and Brentford. Boring. But... I think the main thing, the main takeaway is Leeds would have would have taken a point before the game. And Brentford probably would have taken a point too. So maybe they just decided they couldn't be asked of it and they took the points. I don't honestly remember loads of chances, if I'm honest. I thought Melier had quite a good game. Let's just talk conceptually, Hugh. Let's 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 crowbar in a little logical transfer. Nice. Melier. He's like twenty two, I wanna say. Twenty two, twenty three. He's got a lot of experience for someone that young. He's got three seasons of top flight Premier League football. Another season, at least in France, of top flight football, maybe. I see where you're going with this. Who needs a goalie? Mm. Who could be an upgrade on Leeds and also plays in white? It's Tottenham. Feels like a logical transfer to me. I could see it. I could see it. He is due a big move. I'll move to a big team. Because as you say, he is a good creeper. Creeper? He's a good creeper. He's a good creeper. (laughs) No, he's a good keeper, and especially against the Leeds team that is quite leaky. To be honest with you, he does save them more often than not. Um, yeah, could one hundred percent. I don't know how long that is left of his contract, though. To be perfectly honest, so it'd be hard for me to no. say. But yeah, should Leeds fall foul of relegation, he's going to be very in demand, I'd imagine, because he seems like one of the best young goalkeepers in world football, just because he's got so much experience and he just. He's just solid, like he's just very dependable, which is rare for someone you know, like so early in their career, supposedly. Mm. Um, another player who's very early in their career, Nonto. Let's take a little back to midweek. Cardiff leads five two. Nonto scores a Decanio goal. This guy's worth sixty mil. It's happened. It's official. <laughs> he's now worth sixty mil. No one can tell me. No one can tell me he's not worth 60 mil. He is because now. Because if Mudrick is 100 mil and this guy just scored a Decanio goal, 
he's worth 60 mil. Yeah, he's got the they, highlights reel to back it up as well. Exactly. So, yeah. I mean, Leeds fans love him. I think he's becoming a bit of a cult hero over in... Um, he's in great. So, Rafinha who, mate? Rafinha who? Rafinha who? Don't even miss him. So... <laughs> And Rafinha, mate, he's having a bad time at Barca. Another transfer that benefited no one. Silly, silly. Yeah. It's weird, that. I don't know what's going on at Barca, that mate, like, all these players... It's like the moment that they just don't score every game. They're just written off. Yeah. They're, there's a real Lionel Messi complex going at Barca, but anyway, I digress. Um, yeah. What do you, I want to pose a question about Leeds United quickly. Like, you're getting a bit tired of this Jesse Marsh Leeds... I am, you know. I was really into Jesse Marsh and like his Jesse Marshisms, firstly, but I am getting a bit bored of it. And I did see um, my friend Jack on Friday, and he's a Leeds fan, and he was saying he doesn't mind Jesse Marsh, but it's all just a bit meh at the moment. It's a bit flat, and he's not he's not totally happy. We've all say like the fans as well, just crying for Bielsa. It feels like there needs to be an actual change of direction or a proper evolution from Bielsa. This feels a little like it wasn't a big enough step in a direction. It's kind of like they just got a little bit more boring. Do you know what I mean? Mm. It was just like a continuation appointment, but just a bit less exciting. I don't know. They're just yeah, doing okay, I'm, aren't they? They're just they're just they're just they're just going along. I don't know. You just felt like Marcelo, Marcelo Bielsa really stamped an identity onto Leeds. And you felt like the very minimum by letting Bielsa go was to continue down that route. And maybe Jesse Marsh was that, but he just seems like a very much a system manager. And his mm. football is... I just don't really know what the Leeds identity is anymore. It's a bit of an identity crisis, really. So, yeah. I don't know if I'm just being too harsh at Jesse Marsh. I, I just feel like there's been too many nil-nils to let him get away with this. Yeah, he's finding it hard to turn like draws into wins, and that's a real issue. But, mate, the 13th, so what do we know? What do we really know? What are we Nothing. Saying? Honestly, anyone who's listened to this for the last six months knows that we know absolute fuck all about most of this stuff. Um, Apart from one thing, whenever Chelsea sign a player, 50% of them are flops. Those are facts. Okay. Those are facts. You know what? I'll do a study. I'll do. I'll do my homework on this, and you can tell me how many flops. I bet it's over fifty percent. <laughs> uh, I don't know. I've actually lost count of all their signings, so you actually may well be right. Yeah, I agree. I am right, listener. I am right. Don't you worry. <laughs> <laughs> I am very right. <laughs> Mudrick might be an outlier. I concede that. But twenty minutes against a terrible Liverpool team does not make a good player. That's all I'm going to say. Um, final final words Hugh you support Arsenal what do you think is going to happen tomorrow with Fulham versus Tottenham <laughs> oh, I feel like I don't want to slander Spurs too much I almost feel like if they're above us I'll be all over them but oh no like, not the pity they'll yeah, hate that more no honestly Arsenal they've been through midweek Man City. I'm just I'm just disappointed and I'm an Arsenal fan disappointed in what I saw that match I can't imagine what it feels like to be a Tottenham fan just mm. Completely, they just pooped it. <laughs> they pooped it. They pooped it so hard. Honestly, I was just like, "God, City scored them. Scored them. Anyways, just reverted back to this stodgy 
five in midfield, five at the back, double defensive block line thing. <sighs> you wouldn't, you wouldn't, you wouldn't be surprised at this point if Fulham put two past them. Bro, I'm gonna go out a limb and say Fulham are favourites for this game. I think I can and see a two-one, three-one. Sure. Here is the amazing quirk of just how ridiculously good Fulham. No one is giving Fulham enough credit, I think, because Fulham, if they win this game, they go fifth. They go above Spurs. They go above Spurs, which means they're above Spurs, Brighton, Brentford, Liverpool, Chelsea, Villa, Fulham, in their first season up. Nah, not having that. I'm not having Isn't that. Isn't that mad? Isn't that mad? You lot need to step up. <laughs> Everyone needs Fulham, to take a good hold of themselves in the mirror. are on the cusp of being the fifth best team in England. Damn. Maybe this really is Fulham and Brighton's time. Like... Bro. Always been a bit of a you know neutral favourite kind of club, and maybe this is it. This is their moment. Marco Silva, mate, should be manager of the year, mate, if he gets Fulham into fifth. Agreed. I know Arteta will win it, but it's a long see. way to go, boy. It's a long way to go. Yeah, we've seen these Arsenal stumps before, mate. But he's doing a stellar, stellar job. And if I had to put my money on it, I'd honestly put it on Fulham, and that's crazy. How far you fallen, Tottenham? Let us know what you think, but I think the general consensus is they want Conte out. Certainly don't want him beyond summer. Yeah, exactly. As your mate said at the pub, Thomas Tuchel, that's who they want now. <laughs> They're on to the next big name manager. You just know. It never I ends. just don't think Tommy's the answer either, but. He's definitely not. Me, He's... I certainly don't have the answer. No, well, I do, but it's called Sean Dyche, and it's not always the answer. I knew it. I knew it it before you even said anything. I knew it was coming. (laughs) Mate, I've been working overtime for that. He needs to pay me more. He needs to pay me more. Literally. Yeah. Sean, I've been been sending your CV to everyone. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, fair enough. Look at his net spend. Look at the man's net spend. Exactly. Well, you know what? I feel like Sean Dyche is as good a place as any to end it there. So, guys, thank you once again for listening. We really appreciate it. And we're going to win the league. So, everyone strap in. He said it. (laughs) He finally said it. And it's on the record. But yeah, thanks for listening, everyone. And we'll see you soon.